0: Geek Shock
1: shock. I, uh, okay, so Wow I get There it is What? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, a no. preamble. Okay, okay so... Uh, That's a preamble. As,
2: as how he collects his thoughts into the great I'm paragraph. I'm announcing
1: that I'm starting something. I don't know that if he's about co- to I don't hit. know if it's a great
2: paragraph. Well, we won't know until he says it. Use a you're, net. Inter- you're interrupting his paragraph,
1: Barry. Less than 12 hours after he'd left Vegas, I get a text from Andy. Hey there! Apparently, I locked my storage unit open. So could you go over there and <laughs> lock it up for me?
2: Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, I yeah. need to know how that works.
1: Well, well, the, the, it's a good storage place. So they walk around, and they do a security check. And obviously, they walked by his unit and saw that it was locked. The lock was on there, but it was in the open position. So you could get in there. You could lift the gatey thing. And they called him and told him. Oh. So he was like, can you go over there and fix it? And I'm like, sure. Now I'm just sitting there, you idiot. Jesus Christ. Now you gotta go over there. You gotta lock it, right? And then you just you give it a tug. You just pull up, make sure it's I do it because I'm paranoid. Andy doesn't know how to give it a tug. Andy doesn't know how to give it a tug. He doesn't know how to make he just locks it and walks away and he
2: locked it open. <clears throat> I mean, Remember kids, when you're locking something up, when you're at storage, always do a reach around and make sure you're yes. good to go. Give it a good tug.
1: So I'm just like that dummy. So, I get the keys. I put on some shoes. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to brush my hair because I'm just going to the storage unit. Oh, no, you're going to look like Andy. <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> That's right. So, you pass security. And um, I get the, uh, his key for uh, his keys that uh-huh. have this yeah. lock and everything. And so, I get in my car. Now, I'm already irritated, right? And I'm already like, for crying out loud. My car key won't <laughs> turn. It's like, it. I'm like turning, turning, and it just the the key. And I'm like, God damn it. And I look at the key. It's so worn down. It's like it's finally quit on me. So I have to get my spare. And I was like, I've had enough of everything. So I go inside. I throw the keys on the counter. I get the spare. I go in. Car starts. Go off to the storage unit. Fortunately, the storage unit's right down the street. That's why we use it. So I get to the storage unit, I go inside, sure enough, it's locked securely open. And I open it up. I actually took a picture to send to him. So, you know just so make, make sure everything's there. Exactly. Yeah. And I close it and I'm like <laughs> fucking dipshit. And then I realize I don't have his keys. Oh, no, I've got dude. my keys. And I can't I can't fix his lock so now you gotta come back here so now i gotta come back here so now i'm going down i'm like god damn it i have to fucking go back and get the fucking keys and i get in my car and i'm like wait a minute i didn't how did i swap the keys out because i didn't i had my keys in my hand the whole time until i put them on the counter and then i got the spare so i took my regular keys that i had in my hand and i put in the a-nation and started the car I was trying to start the car with Andy's key. (laughs) So I just want the world to appreciate that Andy and I do not use our sum total genius intellect for evil. (laughs) Because you guys would be in serious fucking trouble.
2: Welcome folks to Geek Shock number 704. After that amazing story, I am Master Torgo.
1: Commander K. Vlarg. With Professor Biggs.
2: And we're here to talk week and geek. I missed you guys last week. Ah. Yeah. A little stomach issue, but it's oh. all cleared up and back again and ready Wait. to wrangle cats. Ready it's to all,
1: disappoint us. It's <laughs> all back again? I thought you was, was cleared up. Just like Shady. Oh. Yeah. Okay.
2: So, gentlemen, yeah. before we get into what we're going to do, uh, board game players. Uh, I have some board game stuff that we're going to discuss, probably in the Aftershock. All right. okay. But uh, some board game stuff. But uh, board game players, not this Saturday, as in tomorrow, but the following Saturday, uh, we're going to aim for a board game meetup on BGA. Uh, that's for Tier 4 members and higher for our Kofi. If you want to know more about that, go to ko-fi.com GeekShock and learn more about the tiers. Uh, so hopefully you'll be uh, all set and well, go have a good play. Because these guys are all going to go to Where? Fan
3: Salt Lake City, at the Salt Palace Convention Center, September 21st through the 23rd. Yay!
2: <laughs> and I'm not. So I will be here oh. to hang out with the monkeys that, uh, that could not meet you there. Uh-huh.
3: Steven Biggs
1: will be there to sign your boobs. If you're uh, a guy.
3: Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: yes. Specifically, uh, if you're. Uh, Sadly, Nice Tits Andy won't be there, but. You well, know.
3: Yeah, can't have them all.
1: <clears throat> yeah. That's true. Yeah, well, you'll have Jack, though. That's true. Jeff will occasionally be at the booth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, for those Las Vegas locals who will not be going to Fan X uh, and want to meet up with uh, one of the Shock Monkey members, I will be at the War Room Games auction, oh. game auction. Oh,
4: yes. That will be oh, happening
2: right. on that Sunday, the 24th. So, uh, if you want to find me, that's where I'll be all day all day how late does that go as long as it has to
3: Oh. oh
2: it starts at 11 and it doesn't end till it's all done now the last one was done very well they they laid it all out and had a a probably the most efficient way i've seen them run that auction yet really uh this time, they're expecting even bigger because they've added 400 square feet of space of tables for auctioning off area. Uh, so normally it gets out around seven to eight-ish. So it, it's a whole eight to nine-hour endeavor.
3: Now it, a lot of it is, because I've been to a couple of these, a lot of it is Warhammer. The, m- Ma- the bulk of it. Warhammer and that type of game. Yes.
2: Uh, yeah. I definitely 70 to 80% of it is going to be miniatures for wargaming of some sort. Now, I was only interested in the board
3: gaming stuff, uh, but it goes hand in hand, and it's hard to split it up. And I they don't do what I was hoping that they would do, and that's uh, put the board games up front or afterward, and then put all the war, Warhammer stuff in the beginning. They mix it all together, which is... It's supremely irritating for someone like me because I got to sit through a lot of stuff I don't want before I see a
2: board game. They've did that in the past and they stopped, and there it was a very good reason why they stopped. Why is that? Uh, it used to be that they'd start with board games at eleven and so on. Some people can't get there at specific times, like they can't. They'll be there in the afternoon and they want board games, but if they're starting at eleven, there's no point of them showing up because there's no board games. So now they just go by lot. Yeah. So they take so, it from one table and just move it all the way down. So, mm-hmm. But uh, you can easily gauge about when something will happen. Yeah. So, uh, so again, come if you're interested and stay as long as you like. Uh, I, me, I find it an, a fascinating sociological adventure. So I will be there the whole way.
3: How exactly yeah. is it a fascinating sociological adventure?
2: You are in there with a bunch of nerds. Right, who are already somewhat socially awkward for the most part. Disposable incomes, apparently. With heavy disposable incomes. (laughs) And you find this wonderful wave and crest and then trough and then uh, waves back up again. The energy in that room is fantastic because it starts real low. Like once you get there, if you start bidding up front, uh, the things are going to be yours. Because some people like, no, I don't want to ba- wait straight until we go do something else or so on. And so the early stuff is goes for super cheap.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: However, the room warms up after about 45 minutes. And then people start bidding on everything they don't want. <laughs>
4: yeah. And it
2: just gets crazy stupid of what the bets go. And then... Once they realize how much money they've spent, it starts to fall off again. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you say. and you can really literally ride those waves, and you're hoping that I hope these miniatures or this board game doesn't come up at the 50 minute angle or at the two hour and 30 minute angle because that's when it's gonna go for shit. But if it catches, it's it becomes this whole friggin' game. Wow. Yeah.
1: Does he still do the uh, kid rule?
2: Uh yes. Uh, what is that? The kid rule is if a little kid. Uh, puts a auction bid on something, he will usually close the bid right then.
3: So that's the secret. We got to get a bunch of little kids.
1: Yeah. Pay them like <laughs> in pennies or well, like well originally shiny toys. There was a time when we talked about getting plain old ordinary regular named steven to go, but he's kind <laughs> of aged out. <sighs> so it's like we got to
2: find a new well, eight or nine year old. We can just kid. dress him younger. Have him kneel. Now, Ray, the owner and the guy that runs the auction, uh, also has kind of figured out that some people did try to use that. What do you mean... Oh, I'd wow. Like they think it's so Never
1: difficult to
2: here. tell. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's kind of fucking obvious. It also depends what it is, too. If he knows it's good, because it, the whole thing is there to make to have the store make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And boy, does it on these auctions. Yeah. That is, They do it twice a year because it's a friggin' payday. And if they do it more than that, they're not going to have as much right. auction pieces. So right. something to look forward to, yeah. but bam.
1: Well, it, it, Todd, actually, describe the actual mechanics and economics of the auction. Cause it's it's an auction, not dude. like the store is auctioning off inventory. Correct.
2: The day before, in that morning, you, me, other regular nerds, bring in our stuff to sell. If it's game related, they will sell it in the auction. Uh, you uh, put a minimum bid where you want it to start. If someone goes for it, great. If not, he will ask you if you want to lower it if no one bids. Uh, if you if you have set that reserve and you don't want to sell it, not the, don't sell. They won't sell, and they'll keep it and take it home. But anything they sell goes for store credit of the seller. So if I bring in a board game of Arkham Asylum, and that gets sold for 40 bucks, I then get $40 of score, store credit. At War Room Games. At War Room, War Room Games.
1: Games gets the cash.
2: At War Room Games gets the cash. Yeah. So it's it's massive that, that's the
1: that's the actual economics of that. <laughs> Yeah. Which is kind of funny because you think about it. How the hell do they make money? You know, charging an entrance fee or something? No, they get the cash. Yeah.
2: All of it. Wow. Every bit of it. But it translates to them moving merchandise, which is the the purpose of of the store.
3: The first one of these I went to, you said, oh, yeah, you got to come out. It's really awesome. I went there. I thought it was going to be like a three, four hour event. Mm. Oh, dude, I I couldn't take anymore. I was like, I got (laughs) to (laughs) go. Like I'm waiting for one specific thing. I remember that
1: thread, that text thread on the phone was fucking hysterical. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So long? And it
2: hits the sixth hour (laughs) (laughs) the room the energy is gone i have shit to do i can't be here anymore oh boy and when it was
1: in that smaller store the nerd funk was (laughs) oh dude there's a bit of nerd funk the funk was strong with that location and
3: with the worst thing to do is when you're sitting up front we tend to sit in the front row turn around and look at the people who are in there with you and and just
2: crestfallen Mm. It's just a mirror of you, sir. So,
1: it's 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 funny because it's very, let's let's say stereotypical, of the nerd. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. So you're saying it might go till eight or nine? Yes. Steve's holding out for showing up to the. Yeah, election. yeah. We'll
0: we can make it back in time for that.
1: Dude, no. Deb, and, drive faster. And there'll be
0: to a know. whole bunch of tired tired nerds who spend all their money. Yeah. You won't have any money
2: left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, you just come from a nerd con? Get out of here. Dude,
3: no. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I can't go because Deb looks at me with disdain whenever I mention buying more board games. <laughs> There's no room for them anymore. Well,
2: yeah. of course, the obvious solution there, don't mention it. Ben. Or... Take a bunch to the auction and sell them off for games you actually want. I think perhaps I will do that Don't with a have... bunch of...
3: I have a bunch of games. <laughs> I have a lot of board games that uh, one Mr. Fat Chick Andy <laughs> decided to just drop in my house. And they're the worst board games ever. Like I look, at, I rate all my board games by what uh, Board Game Geek says their rating is. And all the ones that he gave. One of them is like one of the lowest I've ever seen on Board Game Geek. Like .08? Oh, something. Out of 100. Uh, what was the, the game show? The the Temple of the Legends of the Hidden Temple, temple board game? One of the worst rated mm-hmm. things. Somehow he has it. Clamper go- Adventures? I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: That's just oh a bottle
1: of booze God. you go out in the desert. Um, oh, my God. Clamper the board game. <laughs> Got to wear a red shirt oh my and get God. drunk. You know
2: Who what? will get the most plaques put up? That actually is a proper theme for a Euro game, one hundred percent. So,
3: uh, Torco, I may be sending you with some board games.
2: <laughs> oh, and I get the credit. I uh, do. No. Oh, then what? No.
3: Unless you want to maybe text me something saying, "Hey, they got this really good game you might like. Do you want me to bid on it?" Then I will probably say yes because you've done that for me before. Yes,
2: I'll, I'll do that for you. I promise.
3: Like uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. Yes. Yeah, that was, that's a great game. I'm, I, got, I got a good deal on it.
2: Phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, So whether you're going to go to Utah or be in Vegas, you can catch a monkey. So come come find us. So that being said, gentlemen, what geeky things did you do this week? Uh, Let's start uh, with you, Vlarg.
3: I'm going to be real easy because I didn't really didn't do much except for one thing. In fact, Deb and I both did one thing the entire weekend. We
2: don't want to hear about that. Not that. (laughs) Okay. Uh,
3: I mentioned it before that uh, her, Nephews like Minecraft. Yes, and so she got a Bedrock server just for us and them, so that they could do their, you know, kid thing and not go on a serious Minecraft server and be safe and everything. Yeah, that. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, And we just played Minecraft all freaking weekend, Uh, just building up all the stuff for them to have enchantments and iron farm and gunpowder farm for rockets and getting them elytra. You did all the grind work. I did all the work. We're still doing it. (laughs) And we said, okay, we really do want to get back onto the Geek Shock Minecraft server. How do I get on the Geek Shock Minecraft server? Well, any member of Kofi is uh, available to join the Minecraft server. Just let me know, and you can get on the server. Uh, we want to get back on the server, like, a lot. Now that we're, we're not as busy as we were. I mean, we're still busy. It's crazy busy, but not as. So And now you got to taste for it again. Yeah, i got to taste yeah, for you, it you again. you got to take a
2: break from Minecraft every now and then. You yeah, really do.
3: But I want to rebuild Minecart Marksman Madness. And <laughs> so I'm rebuilding it in Bedrock, getting ideas, and then I'm going to go back to our server and build it like crazy. Now... Part of the reason we're so hyped up about Minecraft is because if you listen to Hermitcraft, which is like the really most popular Minecraft series out there, there's a guy named Tango, Tango Tech. He built Decked Out 2, and it is the craziest, craziest game you've ever seen in Minecraft ever. It's the most amazing, well-thought-out, biggest game. Project I've ever seen in my life, and he just launched it on Saturday, and he did like eight hours of streaming with all the the hermits, the people on the server were playing it, and he got like thousands and thousands of dollars and in, in, in donations and whatnot. I actually donated like five bucks to him, just uh, under the name Geek Shock Podcast, because I was like, oh look, I we can get our name up there. It was there, and then like two minutes later, it's gone. <laughs> I was like oh, there's five bucks in marketing, um, but digs mix mix saw it and he mentioned it to me so i was like hey someone saw it who i don't need to market to <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it got really got me really hyped up to play minecraft again so yep. that's what i want to do because uh i don't have the xbox that can run starfield ah yes yes when, i played some starfield i i know i can't wait to hear from you
2: i've played 30 hours Yikes. of starfield that could be me <laughs> That could have been me. I'll talk about that during my segment. <sighs> yeah. Steve, what'd you do? Um
3: oh, somebody temporize for me. Um No. Temporize?
2: Right. Temporize tempor- is the
3: word apparently we use when we say um or uh you know, uh like so yeah, like
2: um oh, uh, okay. yeah,
3: garbage words. Garbage filler. words. Filler. Yeah,
0: filler. So a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about that there was a YouTube video talking about the the blocking in I Claudius being the best ever, and they don't make shows like this anymore. Well, we actually finally watched it, and uh, is it the best ever? Uh, no. no. Um, <laughs> what what the gentleman who made the video apparently is unaware of is all of the live TV shows that they used to do back in the fifties before you know videotape was like a real thing. Uh, but he, but he did have a good point. Is that neither the actors nor the camera remain still very often, so so it is kind of what we did figure out because we were trying to figure out well, what's this video about. And I go well, if memory serves. It's that the camera moves as much as the actors do, and and what they would often do is use like going for a close up and then have that but then as a crowd scene would develop the camera would pull back as the actors would as the actors would go you know through the crowd and you know various things like like various things like that so yeah but they used to do the same thing with um with all the live shows back in the 50s uh, you would often if you see the kinescopes of those shows same thing you'd have a close up here the actors would move around and the camera would mo- kind of move with them or Against that movement to try to make a, you know, a dramatic, you know, create a dramatic picture. So, so that so that it wouldn't remain static. It wouldn't be a static shot. He
1: he did uh, point out that they did a lot of in you know, I Claudius a lot of long takes. Yeah, they did a lot, and I hadn't even thought of it. I hadn't thought of the camera work uh, when I used to watch it. But then again, uh, it's been decades since I had watched it in the 70s. Yeah. And the the difference from a lot of what you see back in the 70s is kind of clear. So Compa- I think there, there was a kind of a transition. Compared to the walk and talks with the West Wing. Well, yeah. Exa- well, the thing is, nowadays, Kevin Smith...
3: Uh, Sorry, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, one of the greatest political drama series ever the west wing yeah. had this, this thing called the walk and talk where everyone would walk through the building and the camera would just follow them until someone else comes in they would follow them
1: yeah and it would be this long long uncut shot and it was beautiful yeah and they did that frequently
2: made words exciting yeah mm-hmm. and
1: kevin smith uh guested as a director on a episode of flash uh, the current flash, which was actually kind of amusing because he kind of described the the, the process is like they actually have it all down. You, you kind of show up and you say a little speech at the beginning of the episode and then you do a little rap speech and but they pretty much have it down to a science. And he was talking about one setup, the first setup, the DP was setting up a scene. And he was talking about the camera moving and how it's going to move in relation to the characters and stuff. And Smith's like, ah, oh, you see, I'd be, I'd do static. I'd just set the camera here and I'd let them. In. And he's like, oh no, the camera must always be moving. And I noticed that in television in particular now, the camera is pretty much always moving, there's always something you know it's sliding and it it can be very very subtle but it's always moving it's okay so this is interesting because
0: because one of the things about the later seasons of the CW of the Arrowverse is that there were a ton of static shots because of the covid restrictions because half the time i was sitting there watching these scenes going these two people are not in the same room. They are obviously in a green screen. One's there for the, for his words and the and the assistant the script assistant is sitting there reading the lines of the other person and then the other person would come in and do all their because it's like they are so unconnected and and the camera's not moving and it and I was like, "Why are these episodes so different? Why are they?" <clears throat>
1: That's really interesting how for COVID affected it.
0: Yeah, for lack of a better word, like really kind of boring right now. And it's because it's not dynamic. And uh, and and of course, the other fun thing too is when they go for the wide shots, looking at everyone standing six feet apart
1: from each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, it it's funny because I noticed that watching a lot of television lately. And sometimes it gets annoying, like... Steve was watching some episodes of uh, Only Murders in the Building. Only Murders in the Building. And I'm I'm looking at it, and goddamn, they do that shaky cam shit. Yeah. Where it's really funny because it's like cameras can be so steady, they deliberately shake it. And it's just like, why? Why? Stop doing that. You don't need to... I don't need to have the feeling that the camera... Is being held by an observer. You don't need to convince me of that, you know, because I think there's enough incidental movement that it's fine. But they've actually, I, I think most cameramen now instinctively throw in this artificial shaky stick. Oh God, it's which, such horseshit. Which annoys the hell out of me. It <laughs> it is the dumbest. It is the it, it's the
0: laziest thing ever. Yeah. To keep the camera moving is to is to do shaky cam on purpose. If you look at old handheld documentaries, you can tell that the cameraman is trying to be as still as they possibly can and just, you know, their pulse or whatever, there's going to be some little incidental music, it, it, movement. It's not on purpose. And the on-purpose stuff is just
2: fucking lazy cinematography. All right, this, this begs the question, what is your personal least favorite pet peeve film... Filming style. When I say filming style, it could be a camera technique, could be anything having to do oh, with it, a it, for a me it's technical shaky style, cam. shaky it, cam.
0: It, oh God!
2: So like yeah. like like found footage shaky cam or just any kind.
1: Well, you know what? It's it found footage can be interesting,
2: right? Blair
1: Witch was always interesting. Yeah. Like there was never a moment there where I'm like I'm really annoyed by what they're doing. And if you look, they're not doing a lot of artificial stuff. The one that drove me nuts the most. Was uh, Cloverfield because to replicate actually holding a minicam, JJ shot a, it was JJ, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It shot a fuckload at an angle, which irritated the living shit out of him. The angle shot. Yes. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is is like at forty degrees walking, you know, talking and they're, whatever. They're in a Batman villain lair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it the, oh my the god.
0: The worst though, the worst is the added in post shaky cam. <laughs> that you often see that on, on old sci fi channel movies where they're trying to replicate that documentary style and it's just this is fucking added in post this is not even the, the cameraman probably held this thing as steady as he could yeah
3: god yeah. damn it the one place it works we watched the rookie because of nathan fillion and they have body cams and yeah that and it works that, yes when it, it makes the, sense yeah when it's when it's a part of
1: or when it's blair witch when you're literally running through the forest with the cam right. That's that's what it is, yeah, and I, that cameraman back then is doing their fucking best to keep to it steady. To hold it steady, or yeah. hardcore Henry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't watch that. Can I, you? I I I like that oh, film. That's I, fun. <laughs> I couldn't. That's After a fun. while,
0: I was just like, ugh. Yeah. The other the other big exception is uh, the whole twenty minute beginning of Saving Private Ryan. But again, Oof. it's part of. Yes. If you look at old World War II movies of people on the battlefield, it looks just like that. Yeah. So, yeah. so that type of thing, I don't mind at all. I hate the artificiality of just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, doing it for the sake of doing it. You're, you know, they're they're doing Parks and Recreation or The Office or something, and it's just bouncing around. It's like. Sit in the goddamn chair and hold that camera as steady as you can,
1: I can watch bits and pieces of both of those and not notice it, but sometimes it'll suddenly stand out. Yep. I don't know if maybe I'm just feeling it and they have a handle on, let's remind these people that we're kind of, this is pseudo, quasi, not really documentary style, (laughs) so we'll remind people. But little it, yeah, yeah, it's it, it, to me, it's not so much. But when I think it's what you said earlier, Steve, when there's this, it has to be dynamic. It's like, dude, that's too dynamic. Jesus Christ. There are ways of keeping. There's a reason why the fucking
0: steady cam was invented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, be smart about your moving camera. Do, do the IClaudius thing. Block it all out to where it makes sense to why you'd want to go from a long shot here to getting this guy in the foreground to going back over here and getting the wider shot of everyone else in the room to coming back here and seeing somebody's hand on a control pad. Right? You're doing that instead of cutting to all those different things. That's what you use your moving camera for, is to replicate almost a stage... A recorded stage show where we're going to go in close here, we're going to move to a long shot here, we're going to come back to a close-up of this here, we're going to move over here, but you do it with a goddamn steady cam. Jesus Christ, the thing won a fucking Academy Award. Use it.
3: Do you guys hear that? Do you hear that? Somewhere in the distance, <laughs> 80s Jeff is yelling. About how you went to film school. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, how about you, Vlarg? What's your least favorite film technique? Uh, anything that Steve Biggs likes. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I agree with the angle thing. I, I hate that that angle oh shot.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> so, the it, cam I could deal with a little bit, but the, the angle shot. Uh. The, the angle. Cause angle. Steve made the point that actually kind of struck you. You know, the. Batman's villains lair. I didn't really realize that until I heard it, because they would shoot it like that to let the audience know something's off. Because they always did straight, relaxed shots, you know, of like Wayne Manor or the Batcave. But the villains lair was always, always weird. Always Dutch tilt. And I uh, Is that what it's called mm-hmm. Dutch tilt. Mm-hmm. And and it was like when it's going on in Cloverfield, it's like okay. I got the message. <laughs> this is weird. I know. This is how people actually hold the fucking Maybe things. that's why I hated Cloverfield so much. I. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised because it, it it's a little overdone in that regard. At, at, at a certain point, it's like, you know what, dude? I am not forgetting this. I am not forgetting that this is here. This is kind of omnipresent and driving me nuts. I don't know what
3: the worst is, really, but I know what the best is. Mad Max Fury Road, mm. <laughs> everything dead center. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the film, I mean, they have like stuff on YouTube about it. Yeah, all the shots
1: dead center. Yeah, it's beautiful. and 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 he's playing with he's under cranking. He's playing with colors. He's he's playing with everything. Everything. <laughs> oh, is, you know. I know what it is. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a camera thing, but sometimes they'll put a
3: blue filter on everything that drives me batshit yeah <laughs> it's nighttime also why is mexico <laughs> seem like you're on the sun <laughs> you because it's got an amber filter on
0: yeah. It. yeah yeah
1: yeah the teal wash it's really funny i got a nice brand new blu-ray copy of one of my favorite carpenter movies assault on precinct 13 and i was showing it to vernon and he just like right 10 minutes into it, he starts cursing, and he's just, and I was like, what is it? And he's like, they teal washed it, because apparently, uh, I think it was a Kino Lorber uh, DVD, and he was bitching about them. Uh, no, 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 wait, I think it was Shout Factory, but they do, on older movies, when they remaster, they will do a teal wash, and it's just a very light teal wash across the whole fucking thing. Why? And apparently they stopped doing it. I don't know, dude. It was some kind of color thing. It, you know, if Jeff was here, he could explain a whole thing. I can hear him in the distance. Yeah. Oh. Somewhere I, he's yelling. Uh, yeah. It's not a teal
0: wash, but oh my lordy! All all of my somewhere in time uh, fan sites gripe and bitch about the Blu-ray release. Put a sepia wash on all the on all the uh, back in time. Oh no. Sequences. And that does suck, because I remember I remember back in the day, back when I was in film school. Uh, well, back
3: I, when you were in film school, you know, the world was in
1: black and white. Yeah, really. Should it? Film <laughs> with shadow puppets on the cable. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, the camera but, is camera obscura. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I had
0: my subscription to American Cinematographer. And, the and that cinematographer- was just a dude drawing really fast. <laughs> And in this particular case, the cinematographer of somewhere in time talked about specifically using two different film stocks: one for the modern-day scenes and one for the ones for the um, nice um, back in time scenes. And it's like, yeah, you guys that did the remaster kind of fucked that up by doing that uh, sepia wash. the The difference is already there.
2: If you'd mastered this thing properly, oh well, yeah. My wife and I have been watching a lot of independent horror films lately, mostly because that's all that's left that we haven't watched on the streaming services. Uh, And of course, with independent horror films, it's some are good. Some are okay, A lot are not. Uh, But there is one technique that we have seen quite a bit. And I still don't know why they use it, but it drives me fucking batty. And that is the sweep from above that is upside down and then turns uh, right side up. Yep. <laughs> Cannot take it. That <laughs> <laughs> that is Again,
0: when it's done well, it's awesome, but if it's done just because you figured out how to do it
2: because someone figured out how to f- flip their drone. Okay, sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, my I will tell you my guilt my guilty thing about that was figuring out the Jaws slash Vertigo move, and boy oh boy did we use that a lot when when I when I got my zoom lens. Oh, and, of course, you know here, get me in the wheelchair.
1: Dolly. Zoom in, dolly out. Yeah, I think it's called the Hitchcock.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the vertigo it's the Vertigo thing, but yeah, and then Steven Spielberg famously used it in Jaws, and so we so. That was my first experience with it, so we kept calling it the jaws shot. So, yeah.
1: Um, But yeah, and then we were like, yeah, we're kind of overusing that. (laughs) It's really funny. Um, That in Poltergeist is used. There's one scene where, what's her name is uh, down the hallway, down the hallway, and it's so funny because, dude, I fucking. Would watch and rewatch that scene, and I'm like trying to figure out the special effects wizardry, how they lengthen the hallway, and it's just a tricky camera shot. Yeah, that was uh, picked up by Hitchcock decades before. Is so cool. It's very cool. Yeah. So I Claudius then. Yes.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So we, yeah. So we saw that. Um, <laughs> uh, don't want to talk about that. Uh, lower deck started. Uh, dropped two episodes. It was really funny. The first episode is a total love letter to Voyager. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, the episode is called Two Vicks," spelled T W O VIX. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and oh, I don't want to give it
1: away because don't give it away. It's too no no no. Give, no, it, no. It, away, no. give it away! Give it away! No. It's too funny. And it it it's. Ah, uh, Voyager. Well, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, I it was, know, but I it's never funny like the show, but I get it. Mm-hmm. No, it, it it it's funny even if you don't like the show. So, no, yeah. I watched every episode of it. Yeah. I just never liked it.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. It's uh, I
3: wrote it off because I had a job that I needed to
1: watch. It. Yeah. Vernon yeah. tried to get me to watch every episode of it. Yeah. I would actually grade against his misogyny because I'm like the Voyager. It's made for girls. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> and he would just grate his teeth, and
1: then his feminist uh, girlfriend would want to beat my head in when I would say that. <laughs> Fun, um,
0: but yeah, like every like a lot of lower deck shows. That episode is just full of deep cuts, and so yeah, if you yeah, if you've watched every episode of Voyager, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're gonna you're gonna there be will s- be several things in there that will make you giggle. Um, and then oh, so it came up what. What were we watching? Oh, it's one of the Dark Corners videos. Oh, yeah. And um, and he was doing his... He was doing... I think it was the top
1: 10, top 5 Vincent Price movies. Yes, yes.
0: And he talked about one of them being this movie called House of Long Shadows, which has Vincent Price, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and John Carradine in it. And he mentioned in his review that that he he thought it wasn't the best movie, and that you know, especially with that cast. Do you guys sh- watch anything made it in the last half been, century? It should have been a, a much better a much better experience. Nothing post eighty <laughs> seven. Yeah, should have been a much better experience. And uh, so we watched it. We found it on Tubi, and we watched it. And.
1: Oh, get ready for another rant, people. Oh, it was great. <laughs> the The heavy size from Steve came up uh, plenty. Oh, God.
2: House of Long Film Time?
1: Yeah. <laughs> House of Leaden <laughs> Film Time. It was. Even for back then, where yes. they took their time to develop a story,
0: it was god awful. And part of the problem is Desi Arnaz Jr., not the best
1: actor in the world. And he was sort of the.
0: Main character.
2: Oh, he had to. That was his movie to.
1: Poor guy. He poor and the poor guy is up against Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Vincent Price, and John Carradine, and and yeah. And those guys know how to chew the scenery. And this is
0: this is a melodramatic, uh, you know, melodramatic old dark house type of movie. Although you wouldn't know it from the cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And you know, so let's throw a lot of light in this uh, in this old dark
1: house. <laughs> All right. We'll communicate the feeling of a dark house by overlighting it. Yeah, yeah. Cause see, there's a shadow over there. We're not going to light
0: that.
2: Well, you can't have shadows without light, guys. That's yeah. the way it yeah, works. Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh boy, it. there
1: you go. And
0: and it, uh, and I mean, there were shots. I was like, cut this shot. Just cut this shot. There's yeah. no need for this shot. You, <laughs> there, the one that was really. <laughs> Because Kirsten Kirsten said something about it. There's a shot. Nobody's in the shot. It's going down this hallway, and the camera kind of catches that there's a suit of armor with this really sharp axe, and it kind of stays there, and it goes past. It kind of lingers on the axe, and then nothing fucking happens, (laughs) and we go to the next shot. And nor does that axe ever make a reappearance. Oh, the, oh, yeah. It was not Chekhov's axe. It was not Chekhov's <laughs> axe. No. And and there were so many shots like that. It's like, just, just cut from there to there.
1: You don't need this shot. One of the things I enjoy about movies like this is when you look at the older style actors and how they can take control of a scene, mm-hmm. and they can be interesting and energetic. People make fun of their performance styles, right? They make fun of how they work, but when you see someone like Desi Arnaz Jr., who's basically trying to do a naturalistic and comic type of character, and he just... It pales in comparison. It just doesn't yeah, work. And he's just out to sea. Christopher I- Lee, this is... This is one of the best things he's ever done. He is in the background of so many shots of other people talking, and he's reacting to what they're saying. And not making a meal out of it, just like, yeah. just he's like, just, just bl- he's in the moment, blinking his eyes, oh, know, twitching right? <laughs> his cheeks. You know, he grits his his jawline tense, gets tense. It, it was it was a study, and just you know, this is how you react to shit. Yeah. it was wonderful it, 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 <laughs> the movie the movie had like five endings I don't know we lost count <laughs> it just Steve's like alright alright end the movie oh god yes
0: yeah even before Return of the King, House of Long Shadows has
1: five different... Just roll the credits! Because they they would have this little twist and this little thing and this little thing and this little thing and it got to the point where Steve actually kind of missed the big reveal, which was the final twist.
0: Except I was thinking about it later and it still doesn't make any
1: fucking sense. (laughs) Even given that.
0: Oh, because I don't want to give it away here, in case anyone does,
1: in fact, want to subject themselves to this. Although, good I say, God, no, 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 no. I say do it because, seriously, someone else Watching, should suffer. Why, yes, John Carradine being—he's re, really old. I mean, this is this is towards John the, the last thing he ever does. This was 1983. Yeah, and uh, uh, Christopher Lee. Eighty-three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking it was like Peter 68. Cushing. Dude, Peter Cushing oh. is a total drippy coward. <laughs> he wh- he wh- is not the wh- cool Van Helsing hero or the ice-cold Moff Tarkin. Right,
0: wh- wh- and he's added that, that one British uh, dialect thing <laughs> where, where he doesn't do the, you know, he can't say his R's. The, d- his-
1: the drunker he gets, the worse it gets. <laughs> yeah,
0: the worse it gets.
1: And he gets drunk a lot. <laughs> oh, dude! It's, it's like fellow. this is Peter
0: Cushing. Yeah, and he's all, <laughs> "Oh my god! Oh my god!" He's—you ha- can tell those four guys in particular, and actually even the woman playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. all right, I'm gonna reveal one of the twists. The one—the woman oh, playing the, no. the sister. Forty-year-old
3: fucking movie! You're gonna spoil yeah, yeah. it for me? Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Um,
0: <laughs> they are having a field day. They are having a field day with this movie. And and at one point I was like, I was like "Yeah, they—you can tell the." The five of them basically turn to the director and goes, you, you, we know what we're doing. Yeah, really. Don't worry. I got this, kid. <laughs> yeah. You just settle down. Make, so. your, make your sexploitation movie some other time. We got this covered. <laughs> oh, boy.
2: Okay, so if you had to give it stars, how many stars would you give it?
0: Okay, out of? Five. Five? Good.
2: <laughs> two? Five?
0: Two. No, two. Two stars. And and only because those five <laughs> Those five people, those five people are having a blast. Yeah.
1: Okay. I, yeah. S- I say, look, in terms of overall movie, whatever it's quality, it, it's, it's yeah, it's a two. But So you guys just spent
3: 20 minutes talking about a two-star 40-year-old
1: <laughs> fucking movie. That I think you would enjoy if you want to watch guy, greats like Cushing, Lee, Price, and you know, Carradine. and Carradine. I'm just over Work. here boiling it down. <laughs> I, I, I think... Just saying there. We also watched Sandy Peterson's How to Watch Terrible Movies. <laughs> yeah. And we were thinking of Barry when we saw this. Because he said, what you do is you grab a terrible movie, right? And you need to watch it by yourself so you understand it. And so that you get the movie. And then the trick is, you get other people to watch it. Because the real show... Is watching the other people watch it. <laughs> and Steve and I were thinking of Barry the whole time we were watching this. <laughs> that, that tracks, you know. know? That tracks. <laughs> yeah. Get a get a really bad movie and we'll subject Barry to like it. Like I and keep trying her. to get you guys to watch the human killer centipede. clowns <laughs> from outer space. Yeah, yeah killer clowns. And just no.
3: watching your face, watch that movie, turn to me with that <sighs> fucking smirk, like, <laughs> "What have you done?"
2: <laughs> ah,
1: ah, okay, I get it. There you go. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> Kirsten, anything else you do this week?
1: Um, we watched To the Devil, a Daughter, <laughs> yeah. which is to, another To the Devil, a Daughter. Yes. That's
3: okay, a... let me see. Take
1: your bets on how old this, <laughs> this fucking
3: turkey yeah. is. I'm going to this... say 1974. Nope.
2: Oh, he's got uh, uh, Steve's wow. there with a smug look on his I face. I was damn close.
3: 1976. Yeah. Yeah. This shit is <laughs> really? you, put, Steve, you put that smug look on
2: <laughs> yeah. your face like it was made in 1994. Yeah.
1: yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, this is this is an interesting movie. It's a Hammer movie. It's kind of Rosemary's Baby ish. Okay. When a
3: young nun's physical and spiritual safety is compromised by a disgraced priest who is in commune with the devil, her father enlists the help of an occult novelist. Uh.
1: Okay. Yeah. Richard Decent? Widmark is oh, yeah. the occult novelist. Denim Elliott. Is the father, and he actually, he actually, I liked his performance yeah. as a drunk basket case because he really, he really falls apart. His character really falls apart and plays it well. Uh, Christopher Lee is, of course, the menacing, you know, bad guy, and he actually uh, later, for later in his career, he is really enjoying the meat of a role. He's actually looking like he's enjoying being his bad self, and of course, it's also notable for underage Nastasia Kinski. <clears throat> She's it, it's one of her her first roles. Yeah. So and it's a it's yeah it's a devil Satanism thing. The thing I really enjoyed about it is it's a cut above most Hammer horror type stuff. Okay. It's kind of psychological, but the Satanists. The whole thing, there is a supernatural quality that towards the end, unlike Rosemary's Baby, which really kind of stays rooted in the psychological horror, it kind of steps out and, you know, gets kind of effects and kind of the supernatural well, stuff is happening. Well, Exorcist had come out by then, <laughs> right?
2: So it's, you gotta... Yeah.
1: Um, and it's really funny because I'm watching this and i did a i did a steve to steve cuz after the movie i was like all right steve i got to show you something and i'm trying to bring up hawk the slayer <laughs> on streaming and of course the only free streaming service i did was had ads so i'm finding the ads cuz i'm trying to get to this one frame cuz there's this one frame when they're walking through this haunted forest and this monster like blah, appears in the background uh, off to the side, and it's obviously a puppet. It it's it's actually it's not a one, real monster. It, it's 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 yeah. one of the worst <laughs> uh, the real worst monster. effects in the movie, and people will laugh about it. It is the puppet they used for the demon child Astaroth in *To the Devil a Daughter*. Oh, because <laughs> director Terry Marcel actually had connections to the Hammer Horror and Pinewood uh, groups. So they used a lot of their props and a lot of their settings in *Hawk the Slayer*. So
2: they did the whole *Ed Wood*. Oh, we found this monster. Let's use it. Kind
1: of, sorta, yeah. 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 And that Asteroth is actually kind of icky, creepy. Yeah, yeah. That's Even, actually it's not
0: convincing, but it's a nice design that. Yes. It just
1: makes you go. Yeah, oh. it, that's actually that's actually a great way to put it. Not convincing, but a nice design. I, <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> you yeah. know, so and it's 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 all a uh, it, it's sexual. It's it uh, uh, body horror ish. It's got those elements to it. Widmark is pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, it's 1976. A lot of the sexual is body
3: horror. If you really looked at yeah, was what was considered sexy.
1: Yeah. Actually, <laughs> no. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. So they they you know. Yeah. Honor Blackman plays his agent. His yeah. Literary. It's <laughs> poor uh, smoked voice that you know, she smoked out her voice by then. She was very, very, you know, just, just change a, her I'm accent a, what, from, you know, English to New York Jew, and you got perfect. You know, oh, my God. Oh, hello. Maybe you, yeah. you want to talk about this. Or yeah. And Denim Elamir, once again, I'm going to say it. he he actually uh, uh, he plays a character who it, it's very quickly established. He's part of this little devil worshiping thing, and he wants to back out. And he can't. And he's trapped, and he's falling to pieces because he's trapped. And frankly, I thought he did a good—he did a very good, wide-eyed, totally losing it. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Character. When he thinks when he thinks the end is near, it's
1: it's great. It's a great performance. Yeah. It's yeah. Just... So good, per- uh, some good. Per- and Lee again, once again. I, you know, it's just Christopher Lee. He was really, really good. And it's just funny how he was locked in that, that second-rate horror slot. And and he was never allowed to get out of that. Because yeah. he had moments in To the Devil A Daughter. And he had a bunch of moments in uh, long, shadow. long Shadows. Where you could see the guy who could stand on his own and do a non-genre film. It's just that, you know, his brand, his personality was yeah. all so stuck to genre yeah, yeah, that I it mean, probably would have gotten in the way if they tried it.
0: In House of Long Shadows, he's actually playing somebody who, you know, looks like they're the voice of reason for yeah. the whole thing. And yeah.
1: He's coming in and is like, What's, what the hell's going on here? I
0: own this place. What
1: are you people doing <laughs> yeah. here? Yeah, <laughs> and it, it, it is actually pretty good. So, Which is another reason to go see that 40-year-old movie, Mr. Grumpy head.
3: Actually, the 1976, that would put it at 46-year-old oh, movie? Forty. Well, that's to the, def-
2: to the devil a daughter we were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just all- want to congratulate Barry at being able to function with basic math. Him so and math. To, that's right. That's right, uh. right. <sighs> Him
1: and math. So, yeah. So, we watched that. Uh, I've been working on a lot of crap sorting through boxes and shit. Dude, my dad, when he passed away which was 13 years ago, he had over 10 years of business papers and shit. And I had that all stored. So I'm sorting all this shit out for shredding. And so I just set up the table in front of a couch and then I just put on something on YouTube that can be mildly entertaining but not get in the way while I'm looking at this title deed or this medical bill. And so I've been watching a lot of sword and sandal movies. Steve and I watched Steve Reeves in Hercules, what? and I then got caught up in the Italian uh, machiste uh, genre, where machiste is a strong man hero who oh. helps people. Oh, to be yes. clear,
3: the Steve Reeves Hercules was uh, 1958. You're just going back <laughs> and
1: back and
3: back. Wait, did Did you watch some Fritz Lang? When are we yeah, I when did we start
1: say, talking about Metropolis, yeah, and, let's let's do Nosferatu. it, Steve. But uh, actually, who, who was it? What was the movie? Because was it? Was it Devil Adopted? Wasn't Fritz Lang supposed to direct one of those Vincent Price movies, and he ended yes, up? Yes, and I can't remember which or one it was. Or Witchfinder General or something like Witchfinder that? Witchfinder General. I think that's what it was. So, yes, we almost, almost Andy, we almost watch a Fritz Lang movie. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm watching these uh, machiste movies play. While I'm going through all these papers and stuff like that, and it's it's very funny.
2: Whatever gets you through the night, man. Very,
1: you know, dude. I loved Greek mythology as a kid sure. so much. Yes. all the tales of Hercules and oh. the Iliad and everything. And so, Zeus, fucking everything he could. Ah, yeah. When you're 14, that's the that's the life, baby. Uh, but it, it it's really funny just watching these and like, man, oh man, there was a time when I would have thought this was a Maze Balls. And I think one of the things about bad movies that can be cool is when they inspire you to they make you want to go out and do better. Not because you hate what you've seen so much, but because you've enjoyed it and the subject matter is something that really gets you and so you want to go out there and do that, but you know, just you just want to do it better.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's you the know? old you don't remake classic movies. You you find a movie that Man, there's something here, but this is so bad. But yeah, I could do this better,
1: <laughs> you know. So I could do House of Long Shadows better. Yeah. Well, and it's it's funny because <laughs> Long Shadows, you see the the actors and they're having fun. I always bring up uh, ha- Hawk the Slayer because I'll always say that movie had heart. Mm-hmm. That movie had heart. That so many of the Corman. Type uh, sword and sorcery flicks did not have 1980. Everyone, if you're keeping track, Mm -hmm. (laughs) made for sixty thousand pounds 1980s money. That's micro budget, and uh, there are Corman barbarian movies that have literally on one hundred times that budget. That are they they don't compare in terms of the heart. So Machista, though eh, not a lot of heart. (laughs) No, I can't. You know, I can't say I liked Steve Reeves' performance. I liked what he did in Hercules. Uh, it's it's hurt by the dubbing, right? Oh, sure. You're, you're not going to get the performance in the dubbing, but overall, I kind of liked what he was doing. I think that you could tell he believed it, but there's so much, you know, else going on that it's just everybody going through the motions.
0: Actually, this is not one I watched with you. Was it also based on the writings of Sophocles and Aeschylus?
1: Oh, shit. It was. Oh, fuck, 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 fuck. What was it based on? It was based on something. Uh, oh, goddamn! I can't remember. Stone tablets. Iliad, perhaps. Um, was it well, patient? no, it was inspired by the Odyssey because yeah. <laughs> this was Machista in the island of the Cyclops. Ah. And he, he comes up against Polyphemus towards the end.
2: Until you reach Hercules versus the Moon Men, you haven't explored Hercules. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before I get into what I think about Starfield... Uh, the uh, Clockwork Torgo, because I'm meaning to bring this up, and hey, missing shows can't do it. Um, In Bruges is the selection. And I have to say, wow, that that really caught me off guard that that was going to be a selection anywhere in this Clockwork Torgo experiment. But uh, apparently you need... I need more Colin Farrell in my life, so In Bruges is uh, on its way. So I'll probably be catching you, hopefully this week, if not Whoa. definitely next week. I
3: think you'll enjoy that. Yeah.
2: I think I will, too. I, it's a movie I wanted to see when it came out, and then just, you know, distractions. Yeah, let's so, be clear.
3: We're not trying to hurt you. We're right. trying to educate you on films that we can't believe you haven't seen yet.
1: Sure. Wow, that's weird coming from Barry. Uh, <laughs> if I want to
3: hurt him, we're going to watch all three human centipedes. Yeah, please. <laughs>
2: I, I was already sent... Uh, the the friggin' puppet one, <laughs> so I, I've been hurt. Yeah, so it's been traumatized. Meet already. the Feebles. That's that's the one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought you meant Astoroth. I thought he meant to the devil a daughter. So she's like, wow, oh my god. So, uh, Starfield. Uh, I, I believe. I think I'm the only one here that's played it. Right. I want to yep. so badly. I can't okay. figure out
0: how to move in it. So <laughs> his not, spaceship not is a just sp- spinning.
2: Not a surprise. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Is it the A keys? the D key? I don't know what I'm doing. i want to go put on a movie from 1940. <laughs> I would completely yeah. really alienate our younger audience with shit that they're never oh going to watch. Oh, my yes. God. Or, there we alienate, go. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Alienate or
0: educate.
3: Little column A,
1: little column B. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm going to watch the rest of this episode to see what in the hell Barry does to... Get the attention of the younger audience. I'm
2: curious myself. Yeah. yeah.
3: Anyway, Starfield, <laughs> something contemporary.
2: So yes, 30 hours. I think I can make a judgment on it at least. Uh, there, it's been interesting because I've seen a lot of people like Starfield's no good, blah, blah, blah. and I've seen a lot of people that Starfield is the best things ever been. And I'm going to tell you, it's right in between. It's I love Bethesda games. Starfield is why I bought an Xbox a year ago. Because Microsoft bought Bethesda, and it was the only way I was going to play this game. And I love Fallout. I love Skyrim. Love Loving to death. How much you enjoy Starfield is based upon how much you enjoy Fallout. Oh, I'm going to love it 100%. Then. This is based on the Fallout engine with spaceships. Uh, if you... Uh, You do not, just like Skyrim, you do not have to follow a storyline. It sets you up, gives you the base of the storyline, say, hey, if you want to continue the story, go see this person on planet C. You don't have to do that. You can just go wherever the fuck you want. And when I mean that, planet by planet by planet. And that in itself is interesting. It owes a lot to no man's sky, there is a, when you get, especially when it comes to planetary exploration, that you're, a, you're going doing a lot of scanning, you're doing a lot of collection of resources, uh, but not to the same level of survivalism of No Man's Sky, where that is a survival game through and through. You're creating things to get you better air or better quality of life and not die. Uh, this is more along the same lines of picking flowers in Skyrim, all right? Where you, if you're you're mining ores and so on, to use that to research to make better mods for your guns and your spacesuit, a la Fallout 4. The overall story: uh, you encounter an alien artifact, and you it, uh, you touch it; it has an effect on you that has no one else. So you're the special one, the chosen one of okay. whatever this is. And then you go join a group of. Uh, Explorers called Constellation, looking for more of these, and it turns out that uh, it can unlock certain powers that you didn't know you had, a la shouts from Skyrim. Okay. The storyline isn't really grasping me so far.
4: Hmm.
2: And however, I do recommend if you're playing this, play the storyline at least for a little while because it will unlock things for your character that you will want going forward. I do find myself as like well you know what I have an hour to play it I'm just gonna to go to this planet and look around for a while because they do generate things to do on the planet uh, abandoned out science outposts that have been taken over by space pirates for example and you can clear them out or you go to this city and they need a help because they're getting uh, stuff stolen from this other outpost over here so will you kindly stop that from happening are the quests
3: like, procedurally generated?
2: The quests are not procedurally generated. The locations are. And getting you there um, is, is part of it. Uh, when I say procedurally generated, I'm not talking the locations themselves. This is one of the things I have an issue with in the game so far. There's been plenty of times where I have cleared out the same outpost multiple times on different planets. Hey. That, that they are cutting and pasting this place... And so I, and they're not changing the things inside. So I have cleared out one base three times and I know now where every gun, every treasure is in that whole thing. Is
3: the treasure the same or is that random? The
2: treasure is the same if it is out in the open. It will change if it is in a chest. The chest randomizes. However, if it's something on a shelf, it'll be there. So that's been kind of a, oh, I don't, this is pulling me out. There's
3: still some unique locations though, right? Oh yes, there are
2: very much unique locations and very unique and interesting side quests. The side quests so far that I've just run into out of nowhere have been pretty fantastic. There are some rote ones like exploring a cave and there is some survivalist that's trapped in there and all his buddies are dead. Can you help him get back to the local colony? I've ran into that twice in two different caves on two different planets. They really need some more diverse stuff when it (laughs) comes to going out into a planet and exploring the various locations you can find. That's where I keep running into, okay, I've already played this in the last 10 hours. However, the stuff that they've built for the game, the stories they've added to it, I've really, really enjoyed. And as, 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 Very forward that combat is in these games. Uh, Persuasion and uh, negotiation does seem to play a better role in this one. And I've enjoyed that aspect as well. The combat is good. Uh, Whether you're playing first person or third person, I prefer first person. You do have the option. The combat is great. And it's really, really fun when you play in a zero-G environment. When you get into a ship that's lost its gravitation uh, technology, and you shoot a ballistic weapon, you will go flying backwards. (laughs) It's fun. It is all sorts of good times, space combat. Uh, That all being said, I am having a ball, but I'm having a ball because I enjoy Fallout 4, I enjoy Skyrim. If you don't like these games, this isn't gonna do it for you. Now, at 30 hours, I'm still discovering things about this game that I didn't realize were there.
3: Dude, at like six hundred hours, I'm still discovering stuff about Skyrim,
2: and, and I'm yeah, I'm, and I'm I'm talking about mechanics and whole openings of how the game will work from here on in because I've discovered this one thing that there is there are some paradigm shifts that happen along the way, and part of that is the fact that it doesn't do a good job in teaching you how to play its game. It assumes you know how to play a game like this, and almost to a fault because there are areas where I'm like, ten hours later, I'm like oh, I didn't realize I could make my life easier by pressing Y on this screen. <laughs> that, so it's it's there is a lot of... There's no hand-holding. It'll give you some things. It'll come up with like a, a text paragraph box when you go onto a new screen. Uh, but there is no like revisitation. There's no like tutorial thing to look at in, in the background. It's like, what are some of the things I've seen in the past? Because I forget how this works. Tough Look it up online. <laughs> um, and... Of all now, with Bethesda Games, uh, carrying things has always been an issue. There's there's always a maximum encumbrance uh, yeah. amount. This one, because of how many resources you need if you want to do the crafting aspect of it, fills up more than all the rest. I, I I'm having more encumbrance issues with this game than any one prior to because that's my big beef with.
3: And honestly, it's not a beef. It's a it's a natural limitation that you can't get around. Otherwise, it's too uh, otherwise it's too unrealistic. Yes, you can't just carry everything with you. I hate those games that do that because it, 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 yeah, obviously you don't want a completely realistic game. Otherwise, it's not going to be a game. But some realism is okay. And with Fallout and Skyrim, you can carry all lot with you. But if you're having encumbrance issues with Starfield
2: There are some things they did to make it easier to get around it. Your spaceship has a cargo hold. Okay. Your friends that you bring along, because there is companions in this one as well. It works the same way as Fallout 4. Are they sworn to carry your burdens? Uh, they will carry your friggin' iron if you want them to. Okay. And so if you if you need them to carry beryllium, yes, they're there for you. All right. And so it's a great way to offshoot some of that. Uh, you, when you get close to your ship, you can literally put all the resources into your ship with the press of one single button. Oh,
3: that's
2: nice. So there is things they've done to mitigate it. And, of course, in your homes, there are chests that are... You can fill up with whatever you need. And if you keep that by your research stations, your crafting stations, it will mitigate a
3: lot. Of I've that. seen pictures of people filling up their ships with sandwiches.
2: Yes. And you certainly can. If you run out of space, drop it inside your ship. Your ship will look fucked. But yes, if you want to have all the sandwiches, you can. And toilet paper. Toilet paper is a lot of fun to and have around. Celery. Yes. Lots of celery. So it's space fallout. It's a space opera. If if you wanted the Bethesda type game, and be able to explore the cosmos, uh, this is it. And it's impressive the amount of work and amount of thought they put into this. Uh, every now and then I'll hit one thing, I'm like, wow, they thought of that, and I never would have thought they would have thought of that. Uh, for example, the whole gravity and ballistics thing. What was a wonderful surprise when that happened for the first time.
3: Now, I know you like economy games, I know you like crafting games. Yes. Uh, are, is there certain paths you can go down with crafting?
2: There? Crafting in this thing, frankly, sucks. Really? Yes. <laughs> the the only aspect of crafting that I'm enjoying in the game, and not even enjoying it, that I have to do is you need to craft to add mods to your gun and your your, your armor and your weapons. Okay. When, when it comes down to I it. I mean,
3: that's what I did in Fallout.
2: Right. It's that same kind of thing. So there's no deep crafting in this thing, really.
3: Yeah. Skyrim's crafting was just... Craft enough to be able to craft better weapons and armor and move on. You didn't craft a lot of it, but you did. You did craft a bit. I'm interested in deep crafting systems. No, this is not it. Ah. Not at all.
2: Uh, but it doesn't get in the way okay. either. So you can don't I craft sandwiches. You can play this game <laughs> and craft nothing. And yes, literally, you can craft sandwiches. Alien sandwiches.
3: I'm. I'm. I'm trying to think of. A reason to buy a new Xbox and start a Twitch where I just go around and craft sandwiches and potatoes and celery. And whatever. You
2: can do that. You can do that. Well, uh, the way
0: you craft celery is you get a seed and you put it in the ground. You have to wait a while, but you put it in the ground, you water it. In the game, not for reals. And it grows. We live in a desert, dude. We can't grow shit. <laughs> no, it's, you'd have to recreate that in the game. Like, you know. Like to... in Minecraft. Yeah. Like... Which you could do if you learn how to move.
2: Yeah, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about factions? <laughs> Lots of factions, like almost too many factions. Because <laughs> I know,
3: remember, in, in uh, Fallout, uh, everyone would o- either flock toward, oh, you know, Brotherhood of Steel is the way to go, at Victoria, motherfucker, or the Railroad, if you're a loser, or uh, the Institute, or whatever, the Minutemen.
2: Multiple corporations. Part of this game, some of this game owes a lot to Firefly. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. Uh, you have
1: Firefly, yeah. which was inspired by the Old West, which took place in the 1800s, which is even further in the past than 1976.
2: So suddenly you're interested.
1: Nah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the basic layout of the land and very basic. Trust me, there's a lot of deep lore in this. Uh, Earth uh went to crap the atmosphere vented out and it is no longer a livable planet everybody went to the alpha centauri system that's where humanity is that's where the seat of government is but then you had the libertarians that went off and did their own thing right (laughs) of course and so those and they had a civil war in space
1: what they don't believe in war they're libertarians.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so those are like the two major human factions, but you have multiple corporations. You have small businesses that you can be a faction of. Basically timeshare. It's wild. Ugh. Um, it's so there'll
0: be in the booth next to us at fan x by the way yeah. and i keep this <laughs> i keep
2: discovering new factions as i'm playing i'm like oh that's a thing you can do apparently you can join the pirates um it, it's it's a sandbox play the game however you want uh with the tools that it gives you is it worth buying an xbox four the only way to answer that is do you like bethesda games do yeah. you like Fallout 4? Yes. Did you is that you like it so much that if you want a new version that you're willing to buy another console to do so, then yes, that's what I did, and I'm happy I did. I like this game. Uh will I when I play after I play it for about 10 hours, I get a little bored with it. Which is a weird thing to fucking say. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then, after I've been done with it for a few hours, I'm like. I want to go back and check out this thing that I I remember seeing. And that's been my life all week. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Starfield's great.
1: Now, do you anticipate these types of games? um, I know you've mentioned it in Skyrim. Do you anticipate, like, replay in terms of, like, you make a new character and this time it's like, this time I'm going to go all pirate.
2: Sure, and there's a, a new game plus in this, which there's never really been in a Bethesda game too. Uh-huh. So this? when you beat the game or whatever, you can restart the game with the things that some of the things that you have, and gets rid of some of the others. So there is a a I don't know really what it is because like a, I haven't a jump got jump start that far. Maybe? Perhaps you mean like Son of Torgo, Torgo Two, Torgo Two, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what that is. I know it exists. Hmm. So. Uh, but as far as, yeah, you can invent a new character and completely go uh, just wild out. Uh, for example, a side quest, and I'll just spoil a small side quest right here just to say how different it could go. Right. You discover a generation ship that has landed at a planet that they were supposed to inhabit when they took off a century ago. Okay. Since that time... Space travel has gotten much quicker, faster, and all over the place. That planet's already inhabited by a corporation that doesn't want to give it up to these people that supposedly had claim on it from 100 years ago. And you can solve that through negotiation. You can solve that through eliminating one side or the other. You can solve that through uh, a full compromise of a, of a sharing of the planet. You can solve it by money. By your own pocket, say you just throw money at it and end the problem. There are so many choices for this small subcrass subquest that will kind of change things going forward with these two groups with some emotional investment in it. And so I was impressed to go, I really have five options here on how I can end this. How did you and fix all of it? them sound fun. I'm a hero, dude. I'm a ah, nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Always have been, always will be. You came out, out of your own di- pocket, di- did The difference you? between you and me, it cost me $25,000 credits, and that's after persuading the guy to come Aww. down from 45000 that's, that's, that's cheap. It was fucking expensive, people. Yeah. Expensive. Don't do what I did. Oh. Do what you want to do. Me, I'd find the
1: generation ship, and I'd do like the Chris... Uh, Pratt Jennifer Lawrence thing you know I'd find the Alexandra Daddario uh, woman in cryo and I I'd, I'd divert the ship so it's just going into deep space and I'd wake her up and I'd be like oh wow it's just you and me oh,
2: so just awful. don't go down that one hallway with the yeah. ship
1: that's attached to the outside of the hole and don't talk to the Vlarg the bartender because Actually, yeah, that's on you, you. Actually, do it would be Andy, and Andy would totally tell her the whole fucking story right off.
2: And here's the thing with that generation ship. I'm pretty sure that I could have just blown it out of orbit without ever meeting them. Strange ship, you want to destroy it, boom, that quest never would have happened. Could you salvage it? Oh yeah. Well, salvage it is is kind of a weird thing. You can board other ships and steal those ships and then you have those ships to sell. Or to make part of your own fleet. Okay. So there is that.
3: How big are the ships that you can
2: raid and take? Uh, some of them are pretty friggin' large. Uh, I do. I I didn't do this myself because I'm not sure what this is. But I know there is a player of, of Starfield that took over a full space station and then steered it into a planet. <laughs> That's, I know that happened. Wow. wow, yes. Okay, now we're really excited to play this game. And there's been a lot of uh, growling about uh, fast travel in this game. Uh, I love it. Fast travel is super easy in this game. You can do the whole thing of going to your ship, flying, doing the, the space navigation thing, or you can just press a button on your controller and pretty much just fast travel to that set of planets. So... It's as involved or as little involved as you want to be when you want to save some time. So, are you saying that people were
0: pissy about the fact that you could just go from one place to the other and continue the game? Uh, People are pissy for dumb reasons, Steve. Yeah, Yeah, because let me just tell you, that was one of the things that constantly pissed me off about Star Trek Fleet Command. (laughs) It's like, wow, I know you guys are trying to be sort of kind of realistic, but this waiting to get from one place to the other and... Not real time, but in slow time. How long can I sit on the toilet? I can't wait for this to be. These are the same people who play like Euro Truck Simulator. <laughs>
3: yeah. Where the game is just driving a truck down the highway. I yeah. have
2: different strokes to move the world, man. Yeah. <sighs> uh, so yeah, it's great. Check it out. Highly worth it.
3: I, I intend to. Is it, Do you know, and you may not know this, is it coming to... Uh, Xbox the non X or S version, like you
2: know what I wanted to ask you about that because you have, uh, X the Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, I see
3: it. I see that it it said it said it probably coming soon. I don't know when.
2: Can't you play that on the cloud through that? It's does it work that way? No, I, I can play it if I
3: had an X or an S. I have like an Xbox One
2: oh okay
3: it's coming it's just going to be slow and the graphics aren't going to be as good yeah I don't know if I even
2: want to bother I, I would say if, if like okay if you, can, if you can budget it get an Xbox and play it perfect right. example or play it on the computer Deb bought Hogwarts
3: Legacy mm-hmm. and I played it on that and it was it was fine it didn't have like the super amazing graphics like you probably have on the X do you have an X or an S X X okay so you have the good one yeah um we don't have that. Uh, we're playing on the Xbox One, like the upgraded one, but just you know, the old school, the, the last generation. Yeah, um, it was fine. The loading times were a little mm, okay, and occasionally the graphics weren't amazing. But we got the we got the idea. Uh, you squint, it'll look the same. I would like to experience. How
2: important are the super crisp graphics? They're beautiful, but that's uh, that's up to you. Uh, I will say, performance-wise, it's amazing. I'm not getting really any stutters in performance. I think that's where the issue you'd hit with the last series of Xbox.
3: I think, fortunately, I'm not going to have any time to play this it's, right now. That's so, what it's going to be. So I will wait until it comes for that, and then I'll see what the reviews are like for the X-Bone. And... Uh, if they suck, well, maybe I'll buy an X. Maybe I'll break down and buy an Xbox S. But uh, we're saving money for a backyard. That's a little more important. So,
2: so it's not the best game in the world. It has its issues, but it's it's. I'm loving it. I mean, I can't think of any other game that I've put 30 hours in less than a week on a game. Been a long time. Probably the last one was Fallout 4.
3: <laughs> yeah. Every so often, I'll go back to X X Xbox. I'll go back to Skyrim and say, well, it's time to run this as an archer. Well, it's time to run this as a rogue.
2: And there is that, because it does have stealth and so on, but because most of the game is gunplay, it doesn't have that the base player for most people is stealth archer for Skyrim, right? Yeah. This does have a stealth angle, and you can play it that way, but it doesn't overpower like that does, although it can be powerful. One thing I do think is really neat with the skills is that certain aspects of the game will not open up unless you have that skill unless you've actually done that skill for example you don't get a stealth meter at all until you put one point in, in stealth really mm. yeah you don't get it at all it exists you just don't see it
3: what about picking locks Bethesda's real big on this one lock pick system that they have <laughs> that you don't ever have to put a point into to be like a master lock pick
2: they have reinvented the lock pick for this game Good. and it is a very very complex puzzle unless you put more points in that it makes the puzzle easier that's how it, it ma- was in fallout it makes all the sense on how they did it on this one so i i i like it and every time i do it i look forward to it because it's a fun puzzle okay so the other lockpick games are like yeah they're okay this one i'm enjoying and i do like their skill system that one thing I love about their skill system is once you put a point in the skill, each skill has four uh, strengths. So you can put another point in that skill, but to put, a, for example, a second point into uh, stealth, you have to do uh, ten stealth attacks first before you can even add another point on there. So you have to use that skill up to a certain point to even advance that particular skill. Okay, I like that. I so like it's that. I do like the skill system in this. All right. Uh, but for those out there who don't care about video games, don't care about Starfield, and we're very boy- bored by this, wait till this next part because it's news you don't give a shit about! Woohoo! Oh, yeah! Yeah, I need a tissue. Uh, yeah! And Steve, you, you turned me on to this, this particular Hello. story. Uh, Steve, thank you for turning me on. Oh, God. Disney wrong. is releasing an <laughs> absolutely massive and pricey. A box set of its animated classics. The box set, called the Disney Legacy Animated Film Collection, contains 100 animated Disney and Pixar films on Blu-ray that span from 1937, so Kirsten will love it, to 2023. And the whole thing retails for 1500 US dollars.
3: Holy crap. Does it have Song of the South? <laughs>
2: I, no, no, it does not. <laughs> 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 the list, it's not complete, is it? The list is out there. I won't go into it, not- it, but...
0: It's
3: 100 for their
0: 100th anniversary.
2: Yes, that's exactly it. Uh, The set also comes with digital codes for each title, if you're into that sort of thing, Uh, the original theatrical poster art, a collectible lithograph from Disney Animation's all-new musical comedy, Wish, a collectible crystal Mickey ears hat with exclusive Disney 100 engraving, and a certificate of authenticity in case you thought you got a fake Box, I guess from the box the box set. <laughs> well, it comes with a lithograph from Wish, so you want to make the whole, th- whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. right. Uh, the box set's packaged as a hardbound, self-standing three-volume set that unfolds into a storybook. Uh, Disney, of course, turned 100 years old on January 27th, 2023. Launched a Disney 100 exhibition in both London and Chicago. And uh, special D-100 events will take place from December 22nd to December 23rd at Walt Disney's Epcot Center. The box set is set to release to retailers on November 14th, 2023. So $1,500 for 100 films, all of which I believe have been released. These, This is not like any of these are missing. And right. all of these are available on Disney+. Mm-hmm. And I did go on a dive to figure out, okay, are they just the movies? Are there special features? What what are we dealing with here? And I don't have an answer on that. No one can answer yeah. that. And it makes me think that probably not. Probably just the movies. Yeah. And uh, at $1,500? You know, you get that lithograph. You do. I mean, it breaks <laughs> down to what? 15 bucks a movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
3: but for 15 bucks, you can get the special editions. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, oh, but you get a hat.
2: <laughs> you get a crystal a hat. A crystal hat crystal with hat. 100 and can, engraved can you it. wear it? No, no. Well, well then well, it's, not, a, it's t- not like this. Technically, you oh can, Is it
3: that little tiny?
2: Technically, yeah. you can wear anything. So, yeah, that sure. That is true. <laughs> that is true. I was gonna say if enough
0: it's, uh, with enough ingenuity, you can. Wear if it's
3: anything. a limited edition ear hat, that's something because they really don't make those ear hats too much anymore. Well, they
2: don't make crystal hats anymore either. Not
3: I, okay. The crystal hat's like a small, tiny thing. It's like a. Like a keepsake, but the but the actual ear hats that you can wear, I know this because whenever I go to Disney, uh, either one of them, uh, I look for like the special edition ear hats because you know Deb collects Disney stuff
2: because we it's like a, those a keepsake.
3: Yeah, and I the one we have a couple of the really really limited edition ones, right? Uh, like the Tron Legacy which, ear hat that, which that we you wear
2: regularly. Which no, I do not. Why wearing it now? What are you talking you, about? Shut up! <laughs> because you put it on the shelf. Next to your crystal ears, which are equally the same thing. I don't understand. No, it's, not the same. Same. <laughs> it's
3: not the same. It's not the same. Goddamn it! It's not an actual ear hat now. Ah. The, you know, what they mainly do now is make like the the mini ears, because apparently the the bigger audience there is women, and I get it. Because um, they wear those ears a lot of them. Uh, but you can't find the ear hats anymore. And I was wondering if that thing was like a special hat with crystal adornment. But no, if, if it's apparently just a little, little tiny, <laughs> shitty little keepsake,
1: then who cares? <laughs> Mickey ears with sequins. <laughs> Crystals. It's
2: a little UNESCO thing. Gold. Yeah. So I would never consider it because I don't have fifteen hundred dollars to drop on something like this. Just not gonna happen. This this is a Jeff thing.
4: <laughs> even, even jeff wouldn't yeah.
2: buy this <laughs> oh my oh do want to go off on this
0: tangent speaking of things that jeff and or uh quark's favorite bartender uh, would do, uh i was looking into the fan home uh enterprise d uh you know the thing that you put together week by week oh that they send you a piece every month that yeah, kind of thing piece every month Holy shit, by the time
2: that thing is over and done with, you have
0: spent over 1500 bucks on it. Yeah,
2: it's like that chess set from the Bradford Exchange where they send you two pieces a month, and then by the end of it, you have a $1,500 chess set. Yeah,
0: Jesus Christ. Even the RoboCop is <laughs> is pricey. And the DeLorean, I was looking at the DeLorean because I was like, well, maybe that'll be a little... Fuck. But <laughs> it's a beauty when it's done. Oh, hey. it looks gorgeous. And if I had $1,500, bucks, i would just piss
2: away like that. I think. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about PlayStation Plus subscription prices are increasing across the board by as much as $40 a year. So, mm. uh huh. Sony announced the price hike in a blog that explains, quote, this price adjustment will enable us to continue bringing high quality games and value added benefits to your PlayStation Plus, plus, plus. <laughs> subscription <laughs> service, unquote. So the new PlayStation Plus prices are as follows. $79.99 for a 12-month essential subscription. That's the basic plan. That's up from $59.99, so a $20 upcharge. $134.99 for a 12-month extra plan, up from $99.99, so $35 more. And then $159.99 for the premium plan Up from 119 so yeah, that's the $40 increase. Uh, The PS Plus price uh, increase will take effect on your next renewal date on or after November 6th, but any membership changes like upgrades, downgrades, and the purchase of additional time will will charge you the updated pricing. What do you get for all that? So the PS Plus plans... Uh, grab subscribers access to some PS5 and PS4 games plus some retro PlayStation games for the price tiers as well as a revolving state of games released monthly now unlike Xbox Game Pass PS Plus doesn't include brand new releases it's just choices and selections from months and years past it's mm. it's base game it's it's baseline thing the the cheapest one basically what you get is two games of their choice every month And the ability to play online with people. That's what you get for your $70 a year. So
1: I don't choose the game, and I can do it with people that I have no interest in playing it with. Sounds great. Spot on,
2: sir. Spot on.
1: Well, if you got $1,500 for Crystal Ears, (laughs) this is a drop in the bucket. You got to look at it monthly, because that's how I know
3: Xbox Game Pass is worth it. Because I get a lot of games, and it's not just, I mean, yeah, theres I get a lot of shit games I don't want to play, like sports games and whatnot, but for every one of those, I get I get a Starfield every so often, and it's nice.
2: Game Pass has been a surprisingly, I won't say a bargain, but I haven't been sad for what I've gotten for the price. Oh, yeah. no,
3: and if you saw the last thing that they put out saying, here's all the games that are coming in the next year, holy crap. Yeah, There's a I lot mean, of
1: good stuff. 70 bucks for the year that's less than 6 bucks a month. Yeah. So, that's that's right. better than $15 a movie. But hold
3: on. Xbox Game Pass is not Xbox Live, mm. which allows you to get Game Pass and all that and Xbox Live has a cost as well. Well, they've they've gotten rid of that.
2: That's uh they took Xbox Live out. Yeah. Live yeah. Live Gold is gone. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: what am I paying right now? I don't even know. I
2: so so print so if you had so you have gold, that's just, you're just you just have your game passes it
1: now. What, yeah. What's emptying my bank account? What am yeah, I really <laughs> fucking paying account. for right Barry, <laughs> now? Barry Barry, uh, in the midst of the pandemic, at one point, Andy actually texts me and he's like, "Hey, can you give me my Xbox uh, passcode because I'm having trouble getting in?" and uh, and I'm like, "Oh, what do you need it for now? Oh, I I bought a I bought an Xbox off the shelf." And uh, and I got Call of Duty, and, uh, and I'm like, oh, you're looking to set up LAN? You're looking to set up some online play? And He's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, Xbox Live doesn't exist anymore. So, and he's like, what? On the 360? Yeah. And, yeah. And he's just like, and and well, then can I can I download maps? And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. And he's, then what the fuck did I buy this for? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> he had bought it so we could play online. Uh, just like you know, the great Bill Gates intended, uh, and then he found that we really couldn't do much of anything.
2: No, we're if, talking about the three hundred and sixty. Yeah, three hundred and sixty. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you can play the things that you've bought and you own, and they're on the system. You just can't buy new ones, which you'd have to do, like maps yeah. and stuff. Yeah,
1: I mean, if, yeah, for his account and his new or used box, he'd have to, yeah.
2: Yeah. Why did he buy a
3: sunsetted
1: system? He might as well have bought an Atari for. Well, because he wanted to play with me. And, and like, it's really funny. uh, We have our friend Scott that we used to play these Mm -hmm. games with. And Scott, I remember one time (laughs) mentioning playing online. And he's like, oh, geez, I don't even know if I have my 360 anymore. uh, Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, some of us. Don't even have that money, much less the Crystal Ears money or the (laughs) Xbox XS 370. It's like 500 bucks
2: right now, right? Yeah. I'm hoping it goes down for Black Friday. I'll keep an eye on it. Well, Kirsten, maybe you have enough money to play Roblox. I'll just point out Christmas is coming. Because Roblox, uh, if you're not familiar, Roblox is a popular online game, especially for uh, kids and young teens. Uh, Roblox confirms that it will expand into officially supporting online dating. Wait, what? This is part of a move to extend its player base into older age groups, moving away from the largely underage fan base it has become known for over the years. There's no possible way this could go wrong. <laughs> Jesus! Oh, it gets better. <laughs> um, oh yes. The move, however, has attracted controversy for allowing 17-year-olds to participate. This is a lower age restriction than other dating sites, which almost exclusively ban anyone under 18. What does this have to do with robots? signing up? The announcement was made as part of a presentation on Roblox's future. Uh, In its list of ways it predicts the platform will grow, CEO David Bazuckum says, thousands of adults will meet for the first time in Roblox dating experiences and subsequently form real-life relationships. Unquote. (laughs) He says this will be gated off to accounts that are verified to belong to players age 17 and above. Since this could result in Someone well into adulthood using its officially supported aspect of Roblox to meet a high schooler. It's not going down well with the general public. And of course, there are doubts regarding Roblox ability to moderate the service. Uh, these fears are hardly ill founded over the past few years there have been constant headlines of adults using Roblox to play, prey on children. Uh, last year, a high-profile case saw 30-year, 30 33-year-old arrested and charged with kidnapping and assaulting a 13-year-old he met on Roblox, prompting renewed concerns over the service's moderation. Wow. Now, there is a verification process to go through to get an account that could use a service like this. You have to upload a legal form of ID as well as a selfie, making it harder for young minors to get onto these oh, dating experiences. Sake.
3: Maybe I don't understand Roblox at all.
2: Well, that's because you're above 14.
3: Okay. Yeah. But I understand Minecraft. Is it like that? Is mm, it,
0: I don't know. I don't know either. I, I don't either, but my... My roommate's nine-year-old, ten-year-old, eleven-year-old daughter. She and her friends used to play it all the time, and they had a blast doing it.
2: Oh, kids love it! Yeah, yeah.
0: And you know, but and I, you know, I'd sit there and like listen to little, you know, because they obviously over COVID they were playing it, you know, uh, online and just and no headphones, so I could hear both sides of the conversation. Hilarious. But, yeah. Do you want the, I to expand on that? Hilarious? Well, just, I, I, I don't know how the game works. So, but, you know, it's like, no, over here, over here. Come over here. Come over here. And, and
1: you know, so it'd be things like that. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> it, just, it, it sounds a lot like playing Minecraft with Steve. I don't yeah. know how I move.
3: How, move. how do I move? I'm turning left. <laughs> yeah. I'm turning left. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just chopping the dirt. I just looked it up. Roblox seems like the type of game where you build stuff in it you build experiences for other people and that that makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you could do that with Minecraft but it's a lot,
2: there's a lot more involved. It's more like Legos. It's like Duplos Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. Duplos, okay, yeah. (laughs) So good luck Roblox with your dating endeavor for adults. (sighs) News don't give a shit about. The term Barbenheimer was born leading up the uh, theatrical release of Barbie and Oppenheimer these two films being released at the same time created a cultural phenomenon and the film saw impressive box office numbers now we're actually going to get a movie called Barbenheimer god why from Charles Band the creator of the puppet master horror franchise he's producing the film project which will center around dolls as the attempt to build an atomic bomb <laughs> This is the synopsis for the movie. Deep within Dollsville, a group of fed-up female dolls led by the brilliant Dr. Barbenheimer build an atomic bomb. Their mission? To bring down the patriarchy once and for all. But as the battle of the sexes swells, will Barbenheimer and her bevy of beauties end up blowing up more than they bargained for? Comedy, drama, action, and Armageddon erupt in full moon's latest freaked-out fantasy film, Barbenheimer. And unquote. It's it said the film is on fast track to production and is anticipated to be released on Christmas 2023 on Prime.
3: Wow. No, nothing says great film like <laughs> sped
1: up to, to still catch that Barbie and Oppenheimer Hey Big.
2: Barry, you know
1: marketing—they gotta move quick. They leave this till next year. He's, if he's they not, left
3: it to next week, this, <laughs> this is crap.
1: Yeah,
0: this is crap. This is Full Moon trying to be Asylum. Uh, well,
2: <laughs> Full Moon's been trying to be Asylum for years and failed. Yeah, uh, and and I, speaking as a Charles Band fan, mm-hmm. I love me some Charlie Band films. However, Dude, full don't. moon films are bad, but they're intentionally bad. They are trauma while being less disgusting. I guess is a <laughs> way of yeah. describing them. So, I mean, I'd rather be them than asylum. I guess.
0: No. Yeah. Oh, well, I did uh, buy their uh, continuation of the, you know, the Miskatonic University. Uh, did you now. Oh, yeah. And we
2: watched it, and it was not good. No, of course not. It's, it's <laughs> Full Moon. Full Moon caught my love for being the first shows I ever watched that had DVD features on VHS before DVD was a thing. And that's really how I became a, f- a fan of Full Moon. watched Puppet Master, I think it was Puppet Master 2 where they started doing that. And at the end of the film, it was behind the scenes features, of how they made it, and interviews, and then trailers for upcoming Full Moon films. And that turned me into a fan because nobody, nobody was doing that. What's your favorite Puppet Master puppet? Three, uh, well, first of all, Puppet Master 3, that's a great film. I'm talking about the puppets. Yes. Which is your favorite uh, puppet? You know what? As much as I love Blade, and Blade is awesome, uh, Six Shooter, I think, is my favorite. Really? Not the, the, the drill head guy? No, no. Yeah. And I'm, I do like the drill head guy. In fact, I have the drill head guy one-to-one <laughs> puppet in my collection. Of course you do. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. But, however, Barbenheimer, no. No. Don't do this. No. You will, and you'll make some money doing it, so whatever. Because yeah. I'll shoot it for a dollar, so... <laughs> oh, oh, let's let's move on to some good news, shall we? Please, nope. S- psych. News ah. don't give a shit about. <laughs> Yay! Oh,
0: oh, oh, oh,
2: oh. And probably my favorite one of these, <clears throat> Liquid Death. Uh, that's the company that makes the water, right? Have you seen it? Yeah. Liquid Death, just, just mineral the water, expensive water. Yeah. Liquid Death has teamed up with jackass star O. Oh God. For a collaboration in which they will create limited edition voodoo dolls that contain Stevo's hair. According to Liquid Death, each of the voodoo dolls is handcrafted and has been activated by a real witch doctor, and each one also comes with some of Stevo's real hair inside. This
3: wow. feels like something that I would make for a Kofi tier. <laughs> Uh, so, which I realize now, I should have done that with my hair.
2: So, if you want a, a Steve Voodoo doll, they're available exclusively at Liquid Death's website. They cost one hundred and twenty-five dollars each. Uh, only three hundred have been made, and guys, limited to two per customer. So don't get freaky. Oh shit! That that just two
1: per customer just two per customer i would i because i'd like to i'll remove steve-o's hair and put in some
2: of barry's hair there's <laughs> not much of it left oh now here at geek shock we really don't believe in woo and supernatural bullshit no uh however if i've ever wanted it to be real this is the moment
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is it. This, this is, is what bad. fuck want, fuck ghosts. I've always wanted ghosts. Not that anymore. Now I want voodoo to be real, so that all these dolls that people are buying are affecting Steve-O in some horrible way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I Although can't that, <clears throat> with the way Steve-O lives, will he even notice?
2: No. <laughs> Weekend geek. Yay!
3: Yay! Finally. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was that was a long haul.
3: Oh, that was horrific. Between you know the movies. The, the 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 latest greatest hits
1: of the 1960s to, uh, to that
3: shit, yeah.
1: Come on, Todd, pull out that 1970s good news.
3: <sighs> Unless it has Linda Carter, I'm not interested. Weak and
2: in geek. The Crow reboot, starring Bill Skarsgård, has been shot, and the domestic rights to the project have been picked up by Lionsgate for an eight-figure deal. Skarsgård plays Eric Draven, and the story follows a man and his fiancée who are assaulted and killed by a gang after their car breaks down. The man is resurrected by a crow and embarks on a dark journey of vengeance on those who took his life and the life of his fiancée. The film is directed by Rupert Sanders, who did Snow White and the Huntsman, and will reimagine the 1994 cult classic film which starred Brandon Lee in his last film role, The movie is based on the graphic novel created, written, and illustrated by James O'Barr. And the script for the reboot comes from Zach Braylon, who wrote King Richard, and Will Schneider. The film was shot on location in Prague and in Munich. So, Crow fans? Any Crow fans here?
3: I really enjoyed the 90s version, as everyone did. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of that was the music.
2: It did have quite the soundtrack.
3: Oh yes, it did. It, it can't had a, rain. It had a certain look to it. Not that fucking song.
2: <laughs> uh, it can't rain all the time. Oh, I
3: hated that song. That was crap. Everything else was great. Um, I, the, the 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 look of it was really good. the The stars. That one creepy guy with a really raspy voice, and the, that one lady with. The, well, I want his eyes. That was great. They've got a they got big shoes to fill.
0: They do have big shoes to fill because that first movie was was pretty awesome. It inspired uh, a lot of goths. It sure did. Uh, having said that,
2: it has good pedigree. So uh, yeah. this was a film I was afraid was not going to take off. We this thing has been in development hell yeah. for ages. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this years ago. So the fact that now Lionsgate has bought a finished product, hey, it's coming.
0: Yeah, but they're going to uh, not show it for tax reasons. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Might be right. I
3: just shudder to think what kind of music that they're gonna put in it. <laughs> A lot of t- Taylor Swift and uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Chemical bro- oh, Chemical Brothers actually. Yeah,
1: yeah really. <clears throat> the, chain the
2: smokers They'll put the chain smokers There you go. Know. Their They're cover Beyonce. of Gold Dust Woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'll put one of the Ghost covers in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, don't. We don't need another hero. No, 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 no. uh, My wife and I we watched uh, the entire uh, Insidious cycle this last week. Oh, Uh, Insidious came out with their last film this just a few months ago, and uh, so we thought we would revisit it because we never saw parts three and four, and so we enjoyed one and two. We couldn't remember two very well. But three and four are a prequel, mm. and it tells the uh, the story of one of the characters prior to the first film. So we thought we'd watch it in the chronological order that the uh, films are take place in in the their universe, and that turned out to be a really, really, really good way of watching that. Huh. If you've never seen Insidious or have and kind of forgotten some of it, I highly recommend watching it third film first. Three, four, one, two, five is huh. the order.
1: Ah. Wow. So instead of Machete Star Wars, we have Torgo Insidious.
2: Yes, 100%. <laughs> and what we were really impressed by and why we think we really can't repeat this with most films that do this is almost all these films were written by Lee Winnell, one guy. Okay. Uh, except for the last one. He did the story and then someone else wrote the screenplay and you can feel it. The last film is the weakest of the group. Mm. But he is so has so much knowledge of what his universe is and how it works that every callback that they did is perfectly laid out in the chronological way that when you see it in part three and then you see it again in and sh- uh, number one, you're like, "Oh shit, he really thought that shit through." <laughs> How funny. So Lee Winnell, if you're not familiar, he wrote the Insidious Cycle. He also wrote the first few Saws. He starred in Saw. He stars in every episode, calling them episodes, because watching movies in order like this feels like television. Uh, in every film, he plays uh, Specs in the Insidious movies. He's in every one. Mm. One of the ghost hunters. So he's the guy that wrote the movies. Uh, yeah, and if you haven't seen Insidious... At least watch the first one, Air Apparent Poltergeist. It is the best haunted house movie since Poltergeist.
3: So he's one of these guys that writes like the whole story Bible, like the, the this is how the universe works. Here's everything you need to know. And it's a giant like phone book of of, of stuff that you really the, the movie just scratches the surface. Yes. I like that. Who? I try to do that with D&D. When I'm running a and D game, when I started out, I start to write the story, and even if it's set in a universe that exists, like Forgotten Realms, I will still write out this is the big bad evil guy in the end. This is the this is the hook. This is the thing. This is how it's kind of gonna go down, and then I work backwards from there, and I develop all the story of why they're doing this, why the da 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 da, da because it it grounds the story in a way that I'm not meandering in in the middle of it. Um, I wish more directors of like sci-fi
2: films and shit would do that. Did Lucas do that? I don't think he did. No, He oh, didn't. Clearly, when you read books on how the Star Wars films yeah. were made, you learn that no, that was a seat-of-the-pants thing from the beginning to yep. end.
0: Yeah, and See, cause- cause I remember reading all those issues of Starlog, and you know where he a where he was talking later about it being a nine movie cycle and everything. And he said, but I really didn't come up with
2: that until the first one was a big success. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when Yoda says, no, there is another, that was to be a new character they were going to introduce in the next film altogether. It wasn't Leia. Yeah. Yeah. that was yeah. Something that a they, hook, wasn't that's it? Yep they, yep. they decided what it was going to be later on. Oh, Leia, let's, let's make that a thing then. Yeah. That's why there's brother and sister kissing in the first Do one. Do filmmakers
3: yep. ever release those story bibles?
2: Rarely. Sometimes on a closed uh, TV show, they'll somebody will release it to the internet or whatever, but uh, it's very rare that, uh, yeah. and m- mostly they're written for TV shows anyway. But uh, yeah. but, yeah. man, Lee Winnell, he knows his world. Yeah,
0: I mean, Roddenberry did when they did that making of Star Trek paperback that came out in the late '60s. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great. I mean, that's that's a great book about. Producing television, let alone Star Trek, because um, it does. It has the Bible uh, for, I, I believe it's still, even still talking about Captain Robert April and all that kind of stuff. So it's
2: even pre-Pike. And, and for those who aren't familiar with the term, a uh, story Bible in television is basically the, all the background of the story that they have and all the rules, the do's and don'ts that all the characters and the story is supposed to follow it's for new writers coming in to get caught up to be able to write in a where the story is now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. My
0: story bible would have the biggest don't. Oh, oh, oh yeah. You are prevented from having any character say it's all my fault or some version of that unless it actually is their fault
2: uh Oh, there's another, there's another Steve. Peeve. It's another Steve peeve. Uh-oh. It's a P- Steve, peeve. Steve
3: peeve. Steve peeve. Yes, Steve peeve number 27.
2: It's not, this, it's not
0: your fault.
1: Yeah, this basically uh, refers to all the Arrowverse shows. Well, that, and I will never ever lie to you again. <laughs> but and give then me five. And later on minutes. in the episode, they lie to them again. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. my
3: my Steve peeve is, which technically makes it a vlog peeve. Uh, when characters just aren't saying everything that they should when it's obvious you could solve this problem by just saying just a little bit more yep stop being lazy writers stop having characters
2: lie to each other stop (sighs) having them not reveal things just speak My Steve Peeve is when the camera comes upside down and then writes <laughs> itself up over a sweeping shot. That's that's
3: mine. Over a sweeping shot of someone not saying everything that they could be saying.
1: Yes, yeah, yes. At yeah. an angle. At an angle. Yeah. yeah. But, while while but saying also, it's not but, their fault. Yeah. yeah, it's all my fault. Yeah. yeah. It's not Steve your Peeves. Fault. God damn it. It's Captain Cold's yeah, fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's not my, uh, it's all my fault. Unless it's Vlarg in which case his character is saying it's not my
2: fault. I had none. That it's what'd What did you do? What did you do? What's your Steve Peeve? Write to us. Comments at GeekShockPodcast.com. My
3: Steve Peeve is actually Steve. Oh. And My El Guapo is the actual El Guapo.
2: <laughs> so, so write us the email. Because honestly, what is it? What is your Steve Peeve with with f- film and television? Uh, or uh, we throw it, make the discussion on the Kofi. And of course, there's the Shock Monkey's Lair as well. Want to know? I'm curious. What's your <laughs> Steve Peeve? <laughs> And a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. That song's called The Burning Light. Find it as music at the SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And, uh, and of course, you, beautiful dear listener. And I want to thank our brisket taco tier three members of Kofi Dan Steklasa, Daniel Loser, Elizabeth W., Adrian Kirsch, Major Meh, Michael Hoffman, Azrael175, Mohan Nair, The Microscope, Steve Biggs, Elena Nup, Kenton Miller. Asia Shaki.
3: Holy crap, he did it
2: right. Haha, I've been practicing. <laughs> Alexandra West, Gomer Geek, and Leon Cox, and of course, our tier four members, Deb T, David Ferrar, Jared Conkle, and our tier five members, Jeff Harris, Ozzy Matt, Mad Martron, Glemly, Atomic Gumby. Thank you, each and every one of you, for supporting the show at all tier levels. You are what helps keep these lights on, and we bless you for it and until next week i am master torgo commander k vlarg
0: with professor biggs and no deb
2: and we'll talk to you next week <laughs> she's working now now she's getting called
1: out wow it wasn't a call out it was man we missed deb just doesn't oh don't even try to bail out <laughs> <laughs> you are doomed yeah there's a
2: hole in that parachute Mr. yeah really Oh
1: no again i've seen that it. fail video <laughs>